Welcome to the Leading Visionaries Podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established leading visionaries. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate and spotlight the leading visionaries who are thinking differently, seeing new possibilities, have the courage to dream big, take inspired action, and create conscious change all around the world. Now, here's your host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Leading Visionaries podcast, where we celebrate the ingenious, insightful, innovative, and inspired leading visionaries of our time and provide our listeners with world-class examples of the kind of courage, clarity, and confidence it takes to bring visions into reality. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our special guest, Stephen Sashin. Stephen is a serial entrepreneur who has never had a job, <laughs> a former professional stand-up comic and award-winning screenwriter and a competitive sprinter, one of the fastest men over 55 in the country, maybe the fastest 60-plus Jew in the world. <laughs> he <laughs> and his wife, Lena Phoenix, co-founded the footwear company Zero Shoes, creating a movement movement which has helped hundreds of thousands of people live life feet first with happy, healthy, strong feet in addictively comfortable footwear. Stephen and Lena also appeared on Shark Tank where they turned down a $400,000 offer from Kevin O'Leary. I am so excited that Stephen is with me again today. I interviewed him several years ago on my first podcast, Men on Purpose. Welcome to the show, Stephen. Thank you. Thank you, Angel. I'm realizing I need to update things now that I'm 61. There's that. And now that you know we've helped well over a million people, but otherwise that's all realistic. Pretty accurate otherwise. Pretty Well, you know, that's the funny thing. When you're a speaker and you go out speaking, I do the same thing. I listen to them give my bio and I'm like, oh, damn, I need to fix that. And I need to yeah, fix that. Anyway, and I need to I fix that. I don't even know who that person is. Right. And leading visionaries have bigger fish to fry. So I want to talk to you, Stephen, about, about your leadership. So, mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that is in your bio is that you've never had a job. So in a culture and in a world where the vast, vast majority of people are programmed, conditioned, societally, you know, inculcated to have a job, how did you take on a leadership role in your own life that allows you to make this claim? It never occurred to me to try to get a job. I mean, as young as I can think of, I always just found a way to do something to provide the income that I needed for whatever I was looking to do. Didn't have high aspirations per se. I mean, before the FIRE movement, financially independent, retire early, that was sort of where my head was from the time I was in high school. So I was thinking if I can find a way to just have passive income, that would be great. And I, But I've been lucky enough that the things that I just find interesting are things that I could make a living at. So when I graduated college, I was I graduated early so that I could do stand-up comedy for a living. I was given the opportunity to have 10 weeks on the road. That turned into 10 months. That turned into 10 years. In the middle of doing comedy, I had a lot of free time. I got a degree in, in film from Columbia Film School and invented a piece of software for film and television writers. And I went, oh, this is a good thing. So I decided to phase out of comedy and focus on software. And literally, it's just been one thing after another like that until... 13 and a half years ago, my wife started Zero Shoes. 
I keep thinking that I should. I've never had a resume. I think keep thinking I should make a resume and try to get a job just for the fun of it, just to go to the interview. And I have one of two goals, either to really try or to do the worst interview you could possibly offer. It's like be the most horrible person for interviewing for the job just for the fun of it, just to see how people react. So, because I've never done either. And I think that could be entertaining. Well, you know, I, I have had some jobs in my life. Most people <laughs> but, have. Right. But I became self-employed in 2001. I left behind my, or 2002. I left behind my old career in the real estate business and have not really looked back since, except for one time where I was in a bad situation. And yeah. sometimes that happens, you know, when you yeah. are flying on your own wings, right? <laughs> when, you're, when you're flying without the safety net, sometimes that happens. And I actually went and got myself a job in 2017. And it was in a car sales place. And like three weeks, I lasted for three weeks. And then I packed up all my shit. And I said, I don't care what it takes. I'm never, I'm totally unemployable. Well, I, well, you know, I have a friend who he looks for companies for a venture capital firm that he works for. And I said, what do you look for when you're looking at a company? He goes, well, first we want a CEO who can't hold a job. I said, why? He goes, well, because in two years we will have transformed the company and it won't be the right person. I said, well, you know me pretty well. Where am I on the can't hold a job scale? He goes, you're not even on the scale. And right. now that said, my backup plan, like if all hell broke loose, I don't have a problem going to Quiznos and getting a job making sandwiches. And in fact, I think it'd be pretty funny to go to like my, whatever it be, 50th high school reunion and people say, oh, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, you know, Quiznos. They go, oh, you own some Quiznos franchise? No, 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 I'm making the sandwiches. <laughs> and, and once I was trying to get, ask my dad for some money to help start some new thing that I was doing. And he said to me, why don't you just get a job? And I said, because it wouldn't end well for anybody involved. Mm. Yeah. Well, beautiful. I love this idea of asking for money. Like, let's talk about asking for money yeah. because yeah. as a visionary, right, as a leader, as a visionary, as a serial entrepreneur, asking for money is like key to this game. So I would love to have you talk about your experience with asking for money, both from customers and clients, as well as from oh, venture capitalists, as well as from family members, right? Talk about like the full spectrum experience that you've had in asking for money. Well, when I started my software company, I remember having a conversation with my father who I was trying to get, I don't know, let's call it $10,000. I don't remember. If he didn't agree with me it was because I was a bad business person. And if I didn't agree with him, it was because I was a bad son. And I realized there was no way out of this conversation. So that was uh, problematic. But eventually, you know, he gave me 10 grand or something. And then I had a couple of friends where I just was showing them what I was doing and they offered to help. And so I've always, the way I think of it is when it comes to raising money is I'm just trying to find the people who see the world the way I see it. And if they don't, I just move on. And luckily, the way I've seen the world with the companies that I've started, it was pretty obvious. It's like my software company, the value for that was pretty obvious. Our footwear brand, when we asked for money, the value was pretty obvious. So there's that component. But partly what I try to do in the obviousness of it, if you will, is prove in advance that there are people who are willing to give me their hard-earned money who don't know who I am. And I had to demonstrate that first. And that's the advice, if I had any advice that I give to any budding entrepreneur, I go, just prove your concept because entrepreneurs, we always are in love with our ideas and most of our ideas are stupid. 
So prove that there are enough people willing to give you their hard-earned money to demonstrate that there's a there there. And then check and see if the amount you're asking for is appropriate. Might be too much, might be too little. And people do tend to lean in the too little side. With our footwear company, with Zero Shoes, we are undeniably underpricing our products. But we did that deliberately because we want to make this available to more people. We don't just want to make our shoes just available to rich white people. So there's that component. When it comes to, oh boy, the money for companies, the biggest thing that I've done with both of my biggest endeavors is I mastered the use of credit cards. So in the early days, there were balance transfer offers where it was a 0% balance transfer offer where they wouldn't start accruing interest for 30 days. And so I was literally just moving tens of thousands of dollars from one card to another for years. Not only was I not having to pay interest, but I was getting frequent fire points too. So that was really cool. In this company, we had to extricate myself and my credit cards from our finances. And so it was frankly more my wife's job than mine. She's the operations finance person. I'm a product marketing person. But nonetheless, the biggest thing other than finding simple things like a line of credit from UPS when they were trying to get into the shipping business for handling shipping products from overseas, that stuff was kind of easy. The more challenging thing was things like getting an SBA loan, where prior to us trying that, you could literally go with the people from the small business administration down to a bank and the SBA people would say, give this guy 50 grand and they would just do it. And then that changed. So having to jump through those hoops was unbelievably ridiculous, but we did it. And basically, you know, we would do everything we could think of and anything we could think of to try to raise capital. Mm. Second thing that we were doing, we eventually met someone who managed money for a very wealthy family and we just showed them what we were doing. And it just so happened that these people, both the manager and the family members really got what we were doing and believed in us. And so they gave us what was a small amount of money, a line of credit at first. And the better we did, the more they would help us with more capital. Mm. At a certain point after the trade wars and the pandemic and the supply chain issues, we just couldn't rely on some of the sources we had. And we had to go out and frankly, we were trying to sell the company three years ago and nobody was interested because that was right before the pandemic. And we did find a private equity partner or more accurately, they found us. Mm -hmm. They cold called me. I told them what we were doing. They said, you're exactly what we're looking for. And away we went. Now I will confess I said to the managing director of this company, who's a billionaire, I said, I want you to know that the valuation you gave us was really low, but we're doing business with you because A, frankly, it would make our life easier not to have to keep raising money. B, we've talked to all the companies in your portfolio and they all love you because unlike most private equity companies or venture capitalists, you're not trying to just take money from them. You're trying to help them build a business and change the world. And so that's great. And you have some people on your team who we think could be really helpful. That said, there's one last part. The money that I'm not making on the front end, if you had given us a proper valuation, is not going to change my life on the back end. It's not a rounding error. It's a lot of money, but it's not going to change my life. So that's why we're doing business together. And he said, perfect. I appreciate the honesty. And I'm told he tells this story in conferences. And there was one other thing we did. Along the way, we did an equity crowdfunding raise. Back in 2017, we thought it was ridiculous that the only people who could invest in a private company like ours were people who were already rich. Mm. And so equity crowdfunding allowed anybody to invest whatever amount we set as the minimum. And we set it at $100 because we wanted it to be accessible. And we raised a little over a million dollars from about 1,100 people 
who already knew what we were doing, wanted to support us, loved what we were doing, and didn't want to make sure that we were able to stay alive, as well as people who just heard about it and went, oh, this is the kind of company that I want to get involved with. And sort of last thought, and this is totally bragging when I say this one, we were on the podcast, How I Built This with Guy Raz. Mm-hmm. We've had a couple of people reach out to us to ask if they could invest because they said, we heard you on that show and we want to be involved with people like you. Right. And, so, and that's just not me, it's my wife who I think they probably want to be involved with her more than me. And so she's whiz bang smart. I'm, I don't know what I am. And anyway, it, so I guess the bottom line is you do everything you can, including things you never imagined to do what you need to do to keep something afloat. If in fact you are providing a value to the people that you're working with, if you're just trying to do it because it's putting money in your pocket, I don't care what you do. I, I'm not interested in those kind of businesses. Mm, beautiful. Well, so much was in there, Stephen. So just for our listeners, I want to recap some of the like high points, what I like to call the sparkling <laughs> insights, right? <laughs> One of the things that you did was you showed people what you were doing. So there's got to be this willingness to go out there and expose yourself, right? The other thing that you said is, is there a there there, meaning that you were selling to customers, you were already making deals and selling to customers. Otherwise, you wouldn't have had like the road track, you know, the oh, proof. Oh, oh, but don't, don't get me wrong. There were many, 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 I mean, at least 50, probably closer to 100 people where we had shown them there's a there there. And they just didn't believe us. Of course. They thought it was a little niche. They thought it was going to fall apart. They didn't. Right. Here, I'll confess this one. In 2021, I sent an email to a number of people who doubted what I said we were going to do when we talked to them in 2020 with the subject line of my email, is it too rude to say I told you so? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and you know that is the, the last piece I want to say before we go to the break is that you are conscious in who you are wanting to partner with. And and what I heard is the more conscious you are and the more clear you are in your vision and your leadership, the more you actually become a magnet and people start coming to you. We're going to take a quick break, but when we are on the other side, we're going to let you know to find out more about Stephen. We're going to dive a little bit deeper into Zero Shoes and talk specifically about that brand and that company. But right now, listeners, are you a leading visionary or in the role of leading other visionaries? Consider joining our community and sharing your feedback and takeaways from each episode. We invite you to join us and support this podcast by making a donation at leadingvisionariespodcast.com. Interested in finding out more about how you can receive support for getting your vision out of the air and onto the ground? You can apply to qualify for a complimentary consult with me or a member of my team by clicking the Connect with Angel button on the website. Please be sure to share this show in your own spirals of influence with the people who you think might benefit from our content. I want to say a huge thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. We're welcoming thousands and thousands of downloads from all over the world. I want to shout out this week to our listeners in I think you're in Colorado, right, Stephen? Colorado. That's correct. All what right, and so our listeners in Colorado, and we will be right back with Stephen Sashin. The Leading Visionaries podcast is brought to you by the Creative Age Consulting Group. Are you the one who thinks differently? Who is called to create a significant conscious change in the world? Who is seeing and dreaming of a better way for your industry, your community, humanity? Creative Age Consulting Group is hired to guide leading visionaries just like you who want to break through the static in order to clearly express and confidently enroll support for their vision in a way that makes it inevitable 
that it will come to pass. Your word is your wand, and as the leader, your ability to articulate and communicate your vision is essential to its materialization and monetization. Please enjoy with our compliments a free copy of the book, Be Heard by Millions and Live Your Destiny, which was a number one new release in three categories to get you started. The book is yours by visiting gift.leadingvisionariespodcast.com. And we are back with Stephen Sashin. We're going to have a very special link for you in the show notes so that you can go ahead and explore the world of zero shoes and find out more and get yourself a pair. I have a pair and I love them. They let my feet be what they are meant to be. So let's talk about the vision, Stephen. And where did this vision for zero shoes come from? And how did you end up, you know, bringing this vision into fruition? And if you have a little side piece there about how your wife is part of this as well, because you're working with your wife, right? In this business, certainly feel free to weave that in as well. Well, that's an easy one. So what happened was about 16 years ago, when I was 45, I got back into sprinting after a 30-year break, was getting injured constantly for a couple of years. And someone suggested I take off my big, thick, normal, regular running shoes and see if I learn anything from running barefoot. And I'm not going to suggest people run barefoot, although it changed my life. But what happened is basically bad form hurts, good form feels good. And I was feeling something that clearly felt like it was the cause of my injuries. And as my form cleared up very quickly from being in bare feet, my injuries went away. I became faster. That's when I first became a master's all-American sprinter. And I just wanted that natural movement experience. I wanted to let my feet feel free. I wanted to let my toes spread. I wanted to feel the ground. I wanted to move naturally. So I made a pair of sandals based on this 10,000-year-old design idea. And people um, asked me to make some for them. And so I you know, kept buying some material charged just enough money to buy twice as much material the next time and just kept doing that until I, I don't know, maybe made 60, 70 pairs. And somebody said, I have a book coming out about barefoot running. And if you treated your sandal making hobby like a business and had a website, I could put you in the book. Well, I rush home and I pitch this brilliant idea to my wife who tells me I'm a complete idiot and it's a really stupid idea and it won't make any money. And she insisted that I not do it. And I told her that I wouldn't. And then she went to bed and I did. So, <laughs> um, so she kind of growled at me the next morning. I said, I think this will, you know, in like maybe three months, it'll make us enough money just to be a car payment. It won't take any effort. Well, I was wrong. It took about three weeks till it got to that point. And within another three weeks, we both realized this is going to be our full-time job. And she said, okay, I'm all in and you're going to need someone to run the business side of this while you do the product marketing side of this. And that's how it began 13 and a half years ago, where we were selling a do-it-yourself sandal making kit out of the floor of a cor- the corner of a floor wait which one should it be <laughs> corner floor spare bedroom you put it in whatever order makes sense <laughs> and soon it was people taking over our whole house with inventory and our customer service people and someone handling fulfillment and now there's 82 of us around the world and we've helped well over a million people do what i say is discover what you've been missing which is natural comfort natural performance natural health by letting your feet do what they're made to do instead of getting in the way and letting your feet do what they're made to do can help with strength balance, agility, performance, everything you can think of. Mm, Beautiful. So tell me about the 82 of us, because I don't think I heard that the last time we did an interview, (laughs) which was probably five years ago now. So Uh, something has shifted. And so let's talk about this 
for the people who are listening, who are leading visionaries themselves, either they're leading other visionaries or they are leading visionaries, what happens when it's time to grow <laughs> and you are stepping into that new role? Like how did this 82, 82 Ooh. of us happen? <laughs> yeah. Well, it was necessity in short, because we kept selling more shoes. People kept telling their friends and family, oh my God, these changed my life. I mean, it's a line that my wife says, which is there's enough shoe companies in the world. There's no need to have another unless your product changes people's lives. And that's what we've been hearing since day one. And it's not because we're doing anything special. It's because we're getting out of the way to let your feet do what they're supposed to be doing. And so on the one hand, it's just necessary and required. On the other hand, it's a real challenge because it's hard to find the people that you need. And you never really know. You bring somebody in, it seems like a great fit. And then you discover over the next few months, whether it is or not. I have a, a line that I say, which is you discover someone's true nature when they're on the way out the door. And it's a sad fact that that's when someone reveals who they really are. But often that is the case. And it's somewhat shocking. But I mean, we really still need probably another 10 just to be handling what we're doing today. Mm. And when we know what we're going to be doing over the next two years, that's going to take another 20 to 30. And so it really is just necessity and hoping that there's a balance. You don't want to bring someone in too soon where they're just spinning their wheels because they can't really take advantage of where you are or they're they're ahead of where you are. And you don't want to be too late when you're just playing catch up and it gets really stressful. And all I can say is no one has ever gotten that equation perfectly. Mm. And so are these employees? Are they oh, partners? Yeah. Uh, are they? I was just talking employees. Yeah. So that includes people at our warehouse, both here and actually just the warehouse here. Our warehouses in Europe are third party. So we're not, those are not employees. And I'm not including most of the people that help me with marketing, who are people that I've amassed over the years of knowing who can do what. And there's probably about 20 of them. And then the rest is employees, including our own warehouse here in the States. And then our team in the EU, there's about 10 to 12 of them right now. And then what, I mean, I'll tell you the one, the, the part of our business that has grown perhaps the quickest that I didn't anticipate, which is our accounting and legal team. Because there's just, it gets really complicated when you become a business that's, I mean, I can say this publicly, last year we did about almost $50 million. And that gets really complex, both from just, well, every aspect of it, including managing how we're going to use the majority of the profit that we make. In fact, almost all of it for buying inventory the next year. Mm. And so that requires a team of people to handle all of that. And as our wholesale business grows, same thing, the people managing that aspect of our business, that's a whole other dimension where we have to make sure we're supporting these people well, but also making sure we get paid by them. Yeah. Well, beautiful. Besides your team and your wife where and, and, and the running trails, yes. where do you go for your own support as you're growing? Like, are you, do you invest yourself in, in getting support from coaches or mentors or anything like that? Or are you kind of self-mentored? We figured out on the fly, no one has done what we've done. There's mm -hmm. no one who really understands our business. Even people in the footwear business literally can't figure out what we've done. And so the good news is that my wife and I are in this together. So that's very helpful. The good news is we have a hot tub. So I'm in there every morning. The good news is we have a dog and coming home after a long day when he just, you know, is wagging his entire body makes everything okay. We have, you know, people who know the footwear industry who in our team who've been in it for 35 to 45 years. Once they understand what we're doing, they're very helpful. But in terms of building the business, they have ideas. But again, no one has done what we've done. When we talk to potential investors, I say, you can't look at other companies 
as comparisons to ours because check out what we've done compared to them and you'll see it's a completely different business with a completely different opportunity and a completely different problem. And the problem is for the last 45 years, major shoe companies have been convincing people that your feet are somehow not functional. They don't work properly. They need to be supported. They need motion control. They need memory foam. They need art support. They need all these things. It's just not true. And of course, you can't just tell people that you've been lied to and what you believe is wrong. That doesn't work. We have to highlight things like, you know, you have 200,000 nerve endings in the soles of each foot or in the sole of each foot. What's that there for? And they go, well, it must be to, you know, so you can feel things. I go, yeah, that's to tell your brain what you're stepping on or stepping in so it knows how to help you move correctly. How much can you feel through your shoes? And they go, oh, nothing. And, you know, that that shoe you're wearing, it's got a pointy toe box. Take off your shoes. Is your foot the shape of that shoe? And they go, no. I go, what problems might be caused by shoving your foot-shaped foot into a non-foot-shaped shoe? And they immediately have a list of problems, including just not feeling good at the end of the day. And I go, okay, so now let me show you the rest of what we do. And it's tricky to get people to unbelieve anything, frankly, and that's what we have to do. So we're just in a whole different world that has been full of fascinating challenges and sometimes uh, frustrating ones. My wife likes to say about certain things like, wow, this would be fascinating if it wasn't happening to us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've got about a minute or so left, Stephen, and what I'm noticing is that you have this large array of shoes behind you. And before, when I interviewed you the first time, I think you had like maybe five different, six, seven, maybe. And so the last question I have for you is, how do you know? Is it like an inner knowing? Is it like a vision thing? Is it like a voice of God thing? How do you know when it's time to create the next thing, whether it's the next shoe or the next job in the company or the next company. How do you know? On the shoe part, it's easy. Our customers tell us, they go, we're addicted to your shoes. We need something. We were wearing it for this, but now we need something for this. Plus we have ideas on our own. We figured out and we, and, and ultimately with everything related to selling something, I like to say, I've been in the marketing business for 40 years and I've been an internet marketer for 32 years. That means I have a lot of opinions. It also means that I don't give a shit what any of them are. All I care about is the results. And I don't mean like I want to get results. I mean, we're going to put it out there and people will tell us if we are right or wrong. And I just want to be wrong as cheaply and quickly as I can and right for as long as we can to help as many people as we can. Oh, beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being with me today, Stephen. It's always a pleasure to talk to you and be in your presence. Yeah. And listeners, we love your feedback as well. Please do let us know what you thought of today's episode by joining our community, sharing your takeaways, asking questions, or submitting guest suggestions. Get yourself a pair or two or several of Zero Shoes using the link that we will have for you in the show notes. You're going to have visionary shoes on your feet. Imagine that. Your feet are going to be able to see in ways they haven't been able to see in in a very long time. So you can also weave your visionary thread into our fabric by opting in on our website at leadingvisionariespodcast.com or by interacting with us on social Look for the handle Leading Visionaries Podcast on all the major platforms. Thank you so much for tuning in. Keep your eyes, ears, and hearts open. And remember, you are here to create conscious change. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. 
Be sure to rate and review Leading Visionaries on Apple Podcasts and share with other people you know who can benefit from today's episode. Leading Visionaries is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leading visionaries who are called to create conscious change and know that now is the best time to welcome wealth and cultivate a web of collaborative support to bring their vision to life. We invite your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of new episodes at leadingvisionariespodcast.com.